Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Needs Some Introduction. Today, we have finally one of those bonus episodes I've been teasing for the past few weeks. I've made an introduction of a new HBO show called Mayor of Easttown. So we've decided to turn this into an actual recap show. So we will be recapping the episodes week to week. There was going to be seven episodes. We plan to hang in there for the entire length of the miniseries. Today's episode is dropping over the weekend since we had an existing episode ready to drop on the past Thursday. And I hope you heard that one, the Nilsson episode, which I really enjoyed. But from now on, we would expect to see these recap episodes to come out on Tuesdays and the regular episodes to be out on Thursdays or Fridays. So I hope that's not too confusing, but we'd expect to see, or you should expect to see, uh, weekly releases for both the recap episodes as well as the standard recommendation episodes. Once again, a reminder that the podcast is now on Apple Podcasts. So if you happen to see the podcast there and give it a five-star review, I'd really appreciate it. We've already had some reviews and uh, there's actually change happening. So we've actually seen an increase in listenership. So thank you. And if you haven't already done so, I'd really appreciate it. Also, there'll be a blog launching soon. And I'll have more information about that within the next week or so with additional materials related to the episodes. And you can also listen to the archive of podcast episodes there and reach out to contact us. And uh, also the form, if you want to make out, if you want to request a recommendation or request one for yourself or request one for a friend or family member, you'll be able to do that there as well. So without further delay, let's get into the conversation. Who did this? You got this son of a bitch. Because if you don't, I'll kill him myself. I can feel it. This expectation from people to be something I don't think I'm good enough to be. Hey! They think you're a hero. Phil, I'm a fool. You're a lot of things I don't like. But you're not a fool. All right. So, we meet again. We do. Uh, did you get to hear the uh, episode uh, about Green Room with me and Oscar? No, I saw you had posted it. We were away for a few days, uh, so I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. I was just wondering if you listened to it, if our conversation would motivate you to get over your hurdle. Although he is not afraid of gory movies and he was like, oh, there's some of these scenes are really intense. I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just put me off it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you can listen to the uh, podcast without guilt, right? Because you're ne yeah. never going to watch it. So. Fair point. <laughs> oh yeah. So this, so it's so funny. This like thriller podcast thing is going to keep going, I think, because now I have another conversation coming up around thrillers too so it's like this is going to become like a, a thriller podcast <laughs> potentially and not a music podcast nothing wrong with that as far as i'm concerned. exactly exactly <laughs> hey, hey that's what people want i guess that that's fine by me. <laughs> so um oh i have a question about that this is just random from the headlines because i want your you know this will be our little legal sidebar question sure. i don't know if you saw this headline yesterday but the my pillow guy is counter suing for uh, 1.6 billion dollars i did not see that counter suing who so he's counter suing Dominion because Dominion sued him ah, for okay. 1.3 billion. Right. So now he's counter suing yeah. for 1.6 billion, right? So my question to you is twofold. One is I've heard multiple art arguments basically saying that Dominion can't sue Fox News and all these other people because like they basically are, you know, they, they're just doing journalism. And I've heard people that are knowledgeable about this supposedly basically make that argument. And I think to myself, 
So for example, I could just go on social media and call someone like a murderer, for example, and like have like a whole a slanderous attack on somebody and uh, just say like, hey, look, freedom of speech. I, I can <laughs> I can say anything I want to. Right. So I mean, so my my general question to you is, you know, if someone is making something up without any foundation, like where like how does how does that work in, in our culture? Like in Europe, for example, you can't get away with that at all. Right. Yeah, I, I always have the disclaimer of, well, that's not the type of law <laughs> right, I right, practice. Right. So this is really 20-year-old knowledge from when I studied for the bar exams. Right. But um, I, and I don't know all that much about these Dominion suits, but I'm assuming, uh, I was already assuming, based on what you said, that they're alleging libel and slander right. type counts, uh, which, you know, if you say something and it completely damages somebody's business and the integrity of their reputation, and you can't prove that what you said is true, then you are going to be liable for that. I mean, you can't just run someone's business into the ground by saying that what they're doing is a complete and total scam unless you're able to back that up with facts. So if it is true, then, hey, go for it and prove that it's true. But if not, yeah, you can't just freely <laughs> ruin someone, whether an individual or a business, uh, you know, their, their livelihood. Right. And, and that's what I couldn't understand because I've heard multiple like, you know, podcasts I've listened to like on the media and stuff like that, where, you know, specialists have come on and basically said like, oh, it's going to be very hard for them to not not to win like the full uh, $1.3 billion, obviously, because they have to prove that there's damages in that amount, but basically to win the lawsuit at all because of the First Amendment. And I'm like, what? that doesn't make any sense. I can't just go around on Facebook and start saying that my neighbor is a murderer and like, you know, uh, and, and like running billboards and stuff like that, and like destroy their lives and be like, hey, freedom, freedom yeah. of speech. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And that's why so often in the news, when things are just in preliminary stages, you hear, well, allegedly, right. this is what happened, right. because you can't prove it yet. And you don't want to be accused of maligning someone who later turns out to be innocent. So, you know, you just start throwing allegedly in there all right. the time, because you want to keep yourself free of any liability. Right. And then, of course, that, but then for me, that it actually made me laugh when I read the headline, the hilarious countersuit for $1.6 billion is really hilarious, right? Because it's like he's suing for the First Amendment. And I'm like, like uh, you have no damages and you're suing because you're not allowed to say what you want to say. You've already made the slander <laughs> statements multiple times. Like that, yeah, no one is infringing I mean, on your rights to make those statements. And uh, you are not you have not incurred any damages at all other than um, if you actually lost the lawsuit in the first place. So it makes no sense at all. I mean, that guy seems like a bit of a kook, yes, right? Anyway, <laughs> so I'm not sure how how sound the legal advice he's getting is. I mean, it, I, I don't know the details of the lawsuit. Maybe a few people that would have bought my pillows <laughs> yes. didn't. I mean, apparently he's complaining. <laughs> he's complaining that his my pillow sales are way down. But I mean, hey. Right. Know, yeah, well, that's going to happen. Yeah. Now, guess what? Not everyone who buys pillows is a member of QAnon. So that's exactly, <laughs> you know, what, you know, uh... your potential consumers, which is theoretically everyone who sleeps. So <laughs> exactly. So with that out of the way. <laughs> um, OK, so you watched uh, Mayor of Easttown. I did. Was this on your radar at all or did I bring this to you? I actually had not even heard of it before you said uh before you mentioned it to me. And I am so excited that you did because I really, I, you know, I had said after that I watched it that I really liked it, but upon further reflection a full day later, I really, really liked it. I'm really excited to see what happens. Yeah, I'm very curious too. I was a little more mixed, I think, on the pilot, but I'm always off on pilots, to be honest. And I think that as, similarly to you, I was okay on it when I first saw it. 
But then upon reflection, I was more impressed with it because I felt like, you know, we and we, we chatted about this briefly, but I feel like they did a lot of world building. A lot. Yeah. 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 I mean, completely like laying the foundation for so much that could be to come. And I think they did a really nice job with it. They introduced a hell of a lot of characters yeah. in just like 50 minutes or whatever it was. Um, you know, there was no end to the people we were meeting, I felt. What was it about uh, the initial watch that gave you some negative impressions? By the way, anybody who's listening, this is going to be full spoilers. We're only going to spoil the first episode. We don't have screeners or anything. So this is exclusively what we're watching day to day. But um, anyway, so to, to go straight spoilers, you know, as soon as I saw the girl who played uh, Aaron, as soon as she yeah. was on screen, I'm immediately like, oh, this girl's not going to last long. <laughs> oh, that poor girl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, I was like, just, I was dreading every time she was on screen because I just knew it was going to end badly for her. I knew everything that was going to happen. It's like, oh my God, like, that date is going to go badly. It's not a real date, you know, the whole mm -hmm. thing, right? And I guess it's it's such a trope, obviously, but I also just have this kind of, uh, I immediately get slightly turned off as soon as there's like the, you know, like the sacrificial lamb, like there's like that young girl who's going to end up, you know, uh, butchered by the end of the episode. And I'm always like, oh, uh, and, and like I said, it's almost like a requirement for this genre, but it's just like, oh no. But but to their credit, I was going to yeah. ask you, would you have liked it better if we had a few more episodes to get more attached to her and then they killed her? <laughs> well, in a way, that's actually what I was going to compliment the show with is that oftentimes with the shows like this, it's like the girl dies immediately. And then she's just like some kind of iconic saint or something who has no right. agency mm -hmm. at all. Right. And going back to I know I, I told you guys not to watch um, the uh, the little things. And the little things literally has yeah. like the girl is dead at the beginning and there's more than one girl, right. but there's this specific girl is dead at the beginning. And it like, she haunts Denzel Washington throughout the movie. Right. And that's the usual pattern, right. Where it's like this like perfect girl who has to be perfect because of course we know nothing about her. So we just right. project innocence onto her uh, is like sacrificed. All right. Uh, mm -hmm. But, um, but to their credit, I think they give her uh, a life, right? Which makes it even worse when she dies, right? But once again, at it least- It was rough. Yeah, yeah. it is. It, like, that's the thing is, right? As they're fleshing her out, I liked her as a character and I just know the whole time she's going to die. So I'm like, oh man, <laughs> they're just yeah. making this worse. <laughs> but um, mm -hmm. but not necessarily in a negative way, right? Like that, that's the intention, obviously. And like- I No, I, that's why I was kind of happy it yeah. happened at the end of this episode instead of another oh. couple of episodes later where I'd be feeling for her even more. Yes. <laughs> so. I, I do agree. It would be worse if it was like- <laughs> Three episodes in, we just watch her like, yeah. you know, <laughs> they just string us along. We know she's going to die anyway. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so a couple of um, uh, a couple of uh, trivia things that are, uh, might be interesting to you and might be interesting to general audiences. And then I, but I also have some questions about uh, the uh, project in general. So uh, first of all, I don't know if you know this, but did um, years ago, maybe 20 years ago at this point, there was a when I first started working right out of college, uh, a friend of mine at work got me into Homestar Runner. Do you know Homestar Runner? No idea what that is. So there was like a Flash cartoon where it was like a fake kids show, but it was definitely for adults and it was hilarious. And I got into it and then I got everybody in our circle into it. And um, like uh, uh, Tim and Antoinette actually dressed up as Homestar Runner uh, and some of the Homestar Runner characters for like for one of their Halloweens or something. So oh, it really? was like this thing, right? And the reason I bring it up is that the director of this miniseries, uh, Craig Zobel, is, uh, was one of the creators of Homestar Runner. That's actually where he started his ah, career. Okay. So it's so weird that, <laughs> and I did not know this, like, to be honest, like, I saw this come up on my recommendations. 
And I'm like, oh, Kate Winslet is doing an HBO show. Oh, it's a murder mystery. Oh, this would be perfect for our conversations, right? And it was only mm-hmm. after the fact that I looked into it. I'm like, wait a second. I know this guy. I've seen some of his other movies. And uh, and I'm like, oh, wow. It's like that Homestar Runner guy again. <laughs> and, and, and it's just like mm-hmm. a strange, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, career path he's had where he's like making these kind of grim. Um, you know, most of his films yeah. have been pretty. Uh, yeah, he's definitely not lighthearted at all. But like he did a movie that is this is just kind of generic uh, recommendation for folks. I have a lot of problems with this movie, but it is very hard to watch. But in a like an intentional way, it's called Compliance. And it's based mm-hmm. on a true story about these people who used to call up McDonald's mm-hmm. and uh, get the um, uh, managers at these places to sexually harass their employees, like basically make them like say, I saw her stealing money or whatever. And then we get these people on the phone and make them like strip search their employees and stuff in the back room. And uh, mm-hmm. these people, these managers would comply, right? And uh, this movie is called Compliance and it played at a bunch of f- festivals at the time and you can actually watch it online. And it is very, very troubling. And it's based on a true story. So if you watch it, it is okay. it's a very difficult movie mm-hmm. to watch. Not not like, you know, no one gets murdered or anything. But just the fact when you think about how people are so easily manipulated. And uh, anyway, so this is a very, it's, it's a tough watch for sure. But it's just funny that he's gone into very dark territories with his film and movie career. And he started off making these like very, very funny and uh, lighthearted, um, like kind of goofy flash animations. Right, right. Um, the next thing I was going to bring up was uh, Kate Winslet. So what is your opinion of her? How, what, what's your uh, relationship with her in general? So I'm pretty neutral on Kate Winslet generally. I actually have never seen Titanic. I'll just put that out there. So, <laughs> so there's that. Um, I did see the movie Little Children. Oh, Little Children. Yes, that like is that. one. Yep, yep, yep. One. Is that her? Okay. Yeah, that is her. Yep, that's her. Yes, I've seen that. Uh, so regardless, I'm fairly neutral on her. I really liked her here. I thought she did a great job with the accent, first of all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I would never have uh, known that she was not American from the way she was talking. And I thought um, she just all around, like she was very believable in this role. I thought she did a good job with it and really like fleshing out, even just in this one episode, what this character has been through and what weighs on her and the stuff that she has to deal with day to day. I mean, she's she has a lot going on in her life, this lady. So, Absolutely, yes. <laughs> um, and I think she did a good job of like portraying that like world wary kind of thing. And I also, I thought this is not really, this is broader than what we were talking about, broader than Kate Winslet. But I thought that the show did a good job of establishing that kind of small town feeling yeah. because, you know, you and I come from a similar type of town, right? So that feeling of like everyone kind of knows a little bit about everybody right (laughs) and and, you know old glory is you know kind of still brought to the current day and you know if you are a certain way back in high school that reputation kind of stays with you for always and and stuff like that uh so i thought i really enjoyed her here yeah the fact that she uh i thought that what is the 25th yeah 25th but yeah, I was thinking like the uh, yeah, they're still like, twenty five years later, they're still idolizing this uh, the shot she made right at the uh, right at that uh, basketball game right. So um, yeah, so that's and like you said, that even these little things matter. It actually made me think about even more so than our town. It made me think about um, like when I drive up to uh, see Kim uh, and her family, we stop in yeah. like Holyoke, uh-huh. for example, in Massachusetts, which still has a mall and a, 
and uh, everybody travels from all over the place to go to that place. But the rest of the town is like there's nobody on the streets. It's like you know, it's it's very much uh, depressed, kind of like an almost bleak. Uh, yeah, a little bit bleak and gray. Yeah. Yeah, and the, yeah, exactly. Depressed. Although it is January. Right? Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and this is something else that uh, so two points that to your point that I think that's one thing that's really strong in the film is that it has a real sense of color. And I watched, I don't know if you watched it, but they have the behind the episode uh, bit at the end. I did watch it, yeah. And that writer, uh, that guy, he, he's, uh, uh, which once again, didn't know that he was the creator of the show. But first of all, he comes from like one of these mill towns in Pennsylvania. This is not a real one, it's a fictional one, but it's kind of like mm -hmm. he's invented it from a bunch of these kind of uh, Pittsburgh, right. uh, Philadelphia, I think it's Philadelphia um, suburbs that he's kind of where he's he grew up and he's kind of mashed them together into this fictional town. But also, oh, but he also made a movie last year, which you might have heard of. It was like one of the last movies that came out right before the pandemic hit, which was called The Way Home with Al, um, Ben Affleck. Yes. You heard of this? Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, he wrote that mm -hmm. also. And uh, that got a lot of attention because Ben Affleck was like, you know, on a short list to become, a, you know, get an Academy Award nomination, etc. But once again, it's about some guy who grew up in this kind of small town. He's trying to, you know, he's like trying to relive his old glory. So these are themes that run through his work. basically. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that's a sense of, you know, intimacy with the environs because he, um, uh, you know, he comes from this background, basically. So that, that I thought was mm -hmm. was uh, interesting. Oh, the other thing I was going to bring up was a recommendation on Netflix for anybody and for you, definitely, is this show really, really reminds me already of a show called Happy Valley. Have you ever heard of Happy Valley? Yeah, you know what? I've, I've vaguely heard of it. And then after the show, I kind of checked out a message board just to see what other people thought about this show. Yeah. And the Happy Valley comparison came up quite a few times. Yeah, it's like, I, I'm pretty sure it's not like unintentional because uh, in Happy Valley, you have the, the woman there. She has, she's divorced. She has, you know, multiple generations of her family living in a home. She's raising a young child for reasons I won't say, so I don't want to spoil it. Mm -hmm. um, she has... Um, uh, you know, she has a husband who's remarried, but like every once in a while, they just jump in the car and have a fling together because they, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like a, a way to have a sexual release <laughs> that, that's convenient mm -hmm. that with, in their middle age. Um, uh, it's, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, she's dealing, she's a police officer. She's like, same thing. It's, a, it's very similarly. It's, uh, like, mm -hmm. a, 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 a city in like the Brit British Highlands or something that is also one of these forgotten places that used to be some kind of mill town, but now is just half abandoned, right? And uh, so a lot of thematic similarities, like many, many. Um, and like I said, I, I doubt it's unintentional. I definitely think that he's seen that show and probably is uh, riffing on it to some extent. But mm -hmm. I would recommend it highly. If you like this, you'd really like that. And Kim's seen that. Uh, there's only two seasons of it. It's only six episodes. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's 12 episodes total. So very easy to watch. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're supposedly going to make a third season. They're still working on it after four years. So eventually <laughs> it'll happen after many years. But uh, but anybody who likes this should definitely watch. Look at that; it's very good, and it's available. The whole thing is available on. Uh, on well, one thing I will say um, to bring it back to the Kate Winslet topic is that when I looked at that message board, which didn't have all that many postings on it yet, because you know I, it was only on Sunday, and I guess a lot of people watch things on their own schedule now. Sure. But um, several people commented on the Kate Winslet character, the mayor being unlikable which yes. i did not get at all uh, i did not find her unlikable in the least i, I don't know necessarily that i'm like woohoo rooting for her but i'm interested in her i'm intrigued by her and i didn't find anything unlikable i think this is a woman with a tough life and right. that's what we're seeing and she's doing the best she can to 
be everything for everyone. And also, I think her family is kind of screwing with yes. her. Who schedules a dinner for the same night right. <laughs> as like this one event that's happening in this small town, which was a Friday night. It was not even a Saturday night. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so I think they're kind of screwing with her. So I, I feel for her, I think. I, I, you know, I thought it was interesting that people found her unlikable. And of course, you know, being as feminist as I am, I wonder what baggage people are bringing to that and what we expect yes. of women and what we expect of strong women, that she just wasn't smiley enough right. or cheerful enough or like, you know, the woman who can always see the glass is half full, even though she's been dealt a bad hand in life. Right. Like, I mean, I, felt, right. I wonder just, you know, how much of our societal expectations are being placed onto that character right. because I didn't think she did anything unlikable. I think she actually did many likable things in this episode. Right, right. Yeah, and to that point, I think that, and, and I'll kind of split the difference there uh, in the fact that I kind of felt at the beginning where it's not necessarily that she was unlikable. I just was kind of not understanding um, you know, uh, what the show was doing at the very beginning uh, of the episode, because we're, we're basically like, it's this, what I call miserabilism, which is this idea of like, just like one bad thing after another, after another. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, where is this going? You know, like, it's just one, you know, horrible thing happening after another. And to that point, I did appreciate that, right? Like, I didn't feel like she was being um, unreasonable or anything. It's just like, you know, she, like you said, has a lot of, you know, she has a, a very rough day. Got a lot on her plate. <laughs> That's a very <laughs> rough day for her. And like you said, not only is it a rough day, then she gets home and, uh, you know, she has to deal with all these like four generations living under one house and her, her ex living next door. And there's a lot of stuff happening, right? So she has all these things going on. So it starts off where I'm kind of like, where is this going? Why are we just compounding all this miserable uh, stuff on top of her? Then I really started liking the show. I started changing my opinion in a way when she got home and I really saw mm -hmm. um, how much detail there was there. There was a sense that these people really knew each other, really lived in this house together. They all know each other. Like uh, the ex-husband knows where the oregano is and the priest uh, who's her, her cousin, right, is hanging out there. Like you know, yeah. he comes over and makes dinner for them while he's drinking. You know, like, so this is, a, this is a normal routine for mm -hmm. them, right? And you just feel that they feel that this is like this regular routine. Oh, and the interactions between her and her daughter, where her daughter's like, you know, mm -hmm. being a regular teenager, where she's just like, yeah, oh, I'll put in the school requirements. And and Mayor the, the um, Kate Winslow's character is basically being like, trust me, <laughs> you don't want to be living here in twenty five years. You don't <laughs> want to be me. You don't want to be me in twenty five years. Right? <laughs> so um, so like you feel all that, and I really like that. And then what I really like even more, what's that? Now that I've kind of they've won me over to her side more. They show her at the actual event and her talking to that um, uh, right. the mother. And she is so impossible. <laughs> you know, she is so terrible <laughs> in that moment. So awful as a person that then you realize, <laughs> you realize like, this is why people are treating her this way. I mean, I am certain <laughs> at this point that she told everybody, don't come to the event on Saturday, on Friday or whatever day it was. Right. And then they all made yes. other plans. And then she I was agree. like, why isn't anyone coming? <laughs> It's like, well, you yeah. told us not to come. And you just know that she has done that over and over and over again to these people in her life, right? So I, I agree with you there. And they and I just like the <laughs> fact that they made everybody, everybody very complicated, right? Nobody is uh like I said at the beginning, I felt like, you know, why are they making everybody so negative in their representation? And then over the course of the 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 uh episode, like I said, to its credit, it does an incredible job of world building. By the end, it's like, oh, I understand why these people are the way they are. I understand their dynamic. I understand all of this. And that, so yeah. by the end, it's all kind of come together in a way. And then there's a dead girl, which, of course, has to be. Yeah. 
There was also a few, um, I found it a little confusing for a second. You know, we, I, the Erin is very young. I, I figured maybe she's around 18. It seemed like she wasn't necessarily in high school anymore. I think she was in high school, um, wasn't so she? Or right out of high school, high one school? or the other. Yeah. I wasn't sure. Yeah. So, but she has the baby and then we're introduced to Kate Winslet's grandchild. So I was kind of like, oh, there's a real teenage pregnancy epidemic yes. in this town. Right. <laughs> because I was sure that the baby belonged to Siobhan. Right. Um, and then I was kind of like, but that was really young because this kid is four and that girl's a senior in high school. Right. So, <laughs> and then it all became clear at the end. Right. that okay, like there was another, you know, another child who is who has passed away and the tragedy of all of that right. too, you know? Right. Who is, who, I mean, obviously would have to be young too, because she's only 25 years out of high school herself. <clears throat> so uh, yeah. Right. So it's a, it's a, yeah. And I'm sure we'll get, get more of that backstory, yeah. which is teased there too. And I like that too. I like how subtly they introduce it where she just wakes up and sees him and then that's it. Right. That's probably something that she, yeah. it's probably something she experiences pretty regularly. Right. And uh, yeah, so I, I I really did like it, and I, I like how they subtly introduced some of these things. So yeah, I really started like in a pretty negative spot, being like, I don't know if I want to spend seven episodes with these people, um, uh, even though it's only seven episodes actually. And then over, uh, oh, and I forgot to mention one of the things that was another highlight for me. First of all, is seeing uh, Jean Smart as the mother, who I love. Uh, uh huh. She's so great. She's so great, and she I does. just saw her in. Uh, I watched um, Le uh, Legion Legion uh, on uh, FX a couple of years ago, and. Uh, and she's also in Fargo, by the way, for, by uh, from the same ah, person. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was great in both Legion and in Fargo. So I really loved seeing her. And now seeing her again, always fun to see her. And also seeing Guy Pierce. I had no idea. I'm a big fan of Guy Pierce. I don't feel he works enough. I know he makes a lot of Australian TV shows, but it seemed like he was going to be a big star in the U.S. at one point. And then he kind of mm -hmm. just said, oh, never mind. And just went and made like Australian TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so whenever I see him, like, you know, he was in Iron Man 3, which is the last really huge thing he was in. But it's like, you know, every, whenever he just pops up in a, a bit mainstream thing, I'm like, oh, look, Guy Pierce is back again. And I always really enjoy <laughs> him. Right. And all of a sudden, just like he just shows up at the bar. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's in this, too. I had no idea. <laughs> what a nice surprise. And don't forget Andy from The Office. As well. Yeah, exactly. Very weird to, to see him mm -hmm. also. But um, yeah, so uh, definitely. Uh, yeah. So the cast is definitely all. Um, yeah, great. Yeah, for sure. The only other thing I would say is because we were introduced to so many characters, I'm wondering, you know, how many of them are going to be having a role in this mystery that's going on and how many have a role in just understanding her and her character and what her life has been and what she's going through and how many might just be extraneous. I'm just, I'm, I'm curious to see how that all develops because I feel like we met so many people right. in that episode. Yeah. I actually think it's both. I think they're probably going to simultaneously flesh her out more and flesh out all these relationships more. And at the same time, I think that there's going to be there there's going to be a suspect list, right? Like you know, Guy Pierce says, "Oh, yeah. I've been around for a year," and like, okay, we have two girls dead in a year, right? So like, is he somehow involved? You have mm -hmm. uh, you know, her daughter uh, was there the night of, so like, is she you know potentially going to be somehow involved or saw something, and now she has to protect her in some way or exonerate her or something, right? right? So I think that that's going to be both, right? So I think we're going to just have a lot of um uh potential suspects and uh, simultaneously so so basically you know, obviously only one person will in the end probably only one person be involved in some way and then uh simultaneously you'll have all these uh other characters will be like red herrings basically right oh and one other thing is that i really loved the final sequence the montage of what everyone's doing the morning after 
Oh yeah. Uh, and the way they kind of just went through all the characters and what their lives are and just like a quick peek into everybody's morning. Uh, I thought that was really nicely done. Yeah. And I really think that once again, it goes back to that world building. I think that's what's kind of won me over at the beginning. I was kind of like, they're just like, you know, rolling one episode after another, a pretty miserable stuff because we're seeing it all from her perspective. And I started to prejudge the show being like, oh, it's one of those shows where, you know, it's like, whatever, it's just like everything's just miserable and terrible and, you know, et cetera. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, is that what it's going to be? And it's just like, no, actually, they're like kind of just fleshing out this whole uh, region and this whole, um, you know, and the, and, the, and the, you know, not only her day to day and like all the things she has to deal with in this small town, but also through that, we're getting a feel for like the economic depression of the area, the, um, like the racial makeup of the area, right? It's very intermingled uh, racially, right? Um, it's, yeah, and, which was interesting to me yeah. because, you know, my experience with towns like that is that they are not usually so intermingled, but it's nice to see that that is a real thing that maybe could happen. <laughs> right. Well, that's what's interesting about it too, is that in my mind, uh, and I don't know enough about the history of the region, but in originally, I should say, I thought from looking at the preview, when I first saw this thing pop up, I was thinking they were like in Pittsburgh or something. And then yeah. when I saw mm -hmm. that it was so racially mixed, I was like, where are they? And then yeah. uh, it was him, you mm -hmm. know, the, seeing that behind the scenes uh, uh, where he's talking about growing up in like the suburbs of Philadelphia. Right. And then I'm like, I could imagine that. Right. Like over this. You know, and it's because some of these, um, you know, uh, uh, black characters in the police force, et cetera. It seems like they have yes. like, lo like uh, deep roots in the or like it's yeah. multi-generational um, uh, 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 occupants of this place. So it seems like maybe this was like over time, you know, um, uh, black uh, um, families moved out of Philadelphia proper into the suburbs. And then, of course, though, you know, they, they, you know, established roots there. And then those areas became like depressed. Right. And now you just have this, you know, these families that have been there, multi-generational families who've been right. there growing, growing up together. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting, uh, you, know, um, uh, you know, demographic um, makeup as well. It makes it kind of adds another um, dimension to it. And I, I assume they're going to explore that more over the. Uh, some of the history of the, of the town in, in, over the course of the show. But uh, yeah, I'm interested in, oh, and do you have any theory? Like you have to take a guess right now at this moment, who, who did it? I don't have a guess, but I do feel like the younger generation is not really going to be involved. Right. Well, I think they're involved in some way. I think there's going to be some. Well, I think they're going to have a lot of the pieces that get put together, right. but I don't think there are, there's anything nefarious going on with the younger generation. I don't think, although, you know, obviously that uh, the baby's father's girlfriend is pure evil and, right. <laughs> and the baby's father is uh, no award winner either. My God. Yeah. And, <laughs> no. I guess, and you know what? I think you're touching on it. That was my, I think that was the part of the show that kind of turned me off the most with a show that was kind of, you know, I, I think like her, you know, um, uh, the, her, her character and the people in her life were interesting, right? They were the kind of, three, you know, three-dimensional. And once again, maybe these characters yeah. will become three-dimensional. But in this one episode, seeing this poor girl with this horrible dad, with this uh, terrible yeah. ex-boyfriend, with this ridiculous <laughs> current girlfriend, you know, and that this guy seems to like have no care at all about like his own yeah. son's hearing problems right and it's just like it was so over the top in a way I, I think that was probably the weakest <laughs> I can't disagree with that yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was probably where that was probably where I found that I was really struggling the most with it at that point and uh, as a matter of fact like thinking about it now those scenes were so bad that it, it really kind of 
almost retroactively paints it a little bit. Although I thought those scenes, like like I said, the, the show really won me over once she was home with the rest of the family. I thought that that part was really, really strong. And I loved him having the party next door and like how real that felt like that, 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 the, yeah. that like the kind of the fun that those people are having in that house and her just listening to it across the street like oh uh, i know <laughs> like she's like i My know God. those people can have fun like i like they don't want me around because yeah. i'm not you know like and that that that's really rough <laughs> but her understanding that that is like you know that those people who are all in that house like oh here she comes again <laughs> As soon as they leave the house, they're all like, hey, party. You know? It's like salt in the wound for her, right? But uh, yeah. So what's your theory? Oh, I, if I just had to take a stab at it, I'm thinking uh, uh, Guy Pierce is doing it just because they dropped that little hint in the conversation. Like, oh, I've been around for a year now. And it's like, oh, wait a second, two months in a year. But I think it's, I, oh, I, I hope just, that's I feel not like the it's case. It's too obvious. It's too obvious. I yeah, I really like hope too that. obvious, right? Yeah, I hope that's yeah. not But I have a feeling just given that clue that they're, he's definitely going to become a suspect at some point. But um, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those things where like she is investigating him and dating him at the same time. And then he finds out and he's like, mm -hmm. how could you think I did this? You know, like it's so kind of busts them up. Yes, I agree with you. That's I kind agree. Of like a generic thing but I definitely hope it's not him because if I spoil, if this is a spoiler for the whole show at this moment, <laughs> <laughs> that would be very disappointing for me and for anybody who actually listens to this thing. <laughs> No, I I think too obvious. Maybe I'll eat my words, but I think it's too obvious. The, the, the new stranger in town kind of thing. <laughs> All right. So I had my recommendations. I talked about this show, obviously. I rec definitely recommend Happy Valley as well. Um, did you have any recommendations at all? Oh, my goodness. You know, I had... Yeah, I'm on the spot, but I knew this was going to happen. And several days ago, <laughs> yeah, I thought about a recommendation. And now it is escaping me completely. But so, um, you know what? Okay, I've got one. Okay. Uh, this is totally not the same genre whatsoever. But this is something that I saw recently and liked was The King of Staten Island. Oh, I haven't seen um, that. Yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed it. It has that very Judd Apatow kind of feel to it. I'm fairly neutral on Pete Davidson. Uh, I think he can be hysterical, though. Yeah. Uh, I feel like he's got a lot going on in his life and maybe is very troubled, but that's neither here nor there. But um, uh, he's really good in this movie. It's a very nice, uh, speaking of world building, it's a very nice little world that they create in this movie that is a lot more local to us. So maybe I identify with it in some ways. Um, and it just, uh, it's a sweet little movie, I felt. I really enjoyed it. I felt it was, you know, really worth the time to sit and watch it. And uh, and I um, I haven't watched it. Uh, well, part of it is because it wasn't available streaming. I think maybe it's available streaming now. And uh, I remember it came out. Yes, it is. That's how I thought. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it came out. I can't remember where or how. But oh, yeah. I'll track. I could track it down. But I, I was, um, yeah, I remember it came out during the pandemic. It was like one of those movies that like came straight to you know, uh, streaming, I'm not streaming, basically pay, pay, you know, rental, uh, during the beginning of the COVID, uh, situation. But so I'm, so Pete Davidson, I'm very on the fence about him. And I'm also very much on the fence about, um, uh, Judd Apatow, right? Because, and that's why I'm kind of like, so I, I'll definitely give this a try based on, on your feedback because I have liked most of Judd Apatow's films, but I really did not like, for example, this is 40. I really did not like this is 40. But I really did like Funny People. I loved Funny People. I know a lot of people hate that movie. I actually really liked it. 
Uh, I liked his earlier stuff. Uh, and I also liked, what was that movie he did with um, Amy, Amy Schumer? Amy Schumer, right. One thing that was different about this movie from the typical Judd Apatow movie, I felt, is that it really, uh, a lot of the movie is about grieving and the different ways that people grieve and that process and how it affects your life and how, you know, it changes your perspective on what your life is and what you want to do with your life. And I, I felt it was a really uh, deep look, actually, at, at grief. So um, you've got to be in the mood for that. Right. <laughs> um, but it is also very funny at the same time. Yeah, and I've actually heard that that is very personal, that the, that the uh, his uh, screenplay, as a lot of these films are, that it was like kind of like uh, Pete Davidson's um, experience with uh, loss, I think, of, of his of his uh, father. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. yeah, that's clearly what it's about. Um, and I think anyone who has experienced grief will find something to identify with in that movie because, you know, a lot of people have lost this, you know, this father figure and everyone is coping with it in their own ways. Some are more healthy and some are not, you know, so. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out and give you my feedback. And uh, the Amy Schumer Love movie, by it. the way, is called Trainwreck. I just looked it up. So. Yeah. yeah. And that is very funny. Yeah, I did like that. But like I said, I'm, I'm kind of 50-50 with, um, with Apatow in general. Um, all right, great. And uh, that, I think, ends our episode. And I will can't wait to see the next episode. And then we will record another episode at that point. Sounds good. I can't wait to see it, too. I'm actually really excited about it. All right, great. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you soon. Great. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. bye. It might be a good thing to step away. I know what you've been through, and I know you're worth saving. Recommit yourself. I'm going to find out everything. Everything.